to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? The blackest dies. Oh, God. Come on! To another episode of the Skewered Universe podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. We appreciate it. My name is Jeff. I'll be your host for this episode, and I'm flying solo. I do not have Leanne here with me. I have no other co-host. But regardless, you have me. Let's fucking do this, all right? So, I have recently released an episode of Transmissions where I talk about the AEW match between Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. Go download that and give it a listen if you haven't already. Not going to touch on wrestling here because I'll save that for the Transmissions episodes. But I did check out the Disney Plus series, episode one of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and I enjoyed it. Marvel keeps doing what they do best and giving us entertaining shit. I really enjoyed WandaVision from episode one through the very last episode where it went, the story they told. I know people were pissed because they had speculations about who was going to be the big bad or what was really happening. And when they were let down because their theories weren't correct or Marvel didn't do what they wanted, they got pissed. Fuck them. Fuck them. Marvel can do what they want, and Marvel told a decent story with WandaVision, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Excuse me, taking a drink here. <sighs> no whiskey tonight either, guys. We're podcasting sober. I know, weird, right? So yeah, I really enjoyed WandaVision. I'm enjoying where they're starting out with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I do need to watch the second episode, but I'm excited to see what they do. See where it goes. What else have I watched? Ah, I did go back and watch Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame back-to-back because I own them both on Voodoo, and I figured, why not? And they're still both really, really good, really, really fun movies. And damn it, if they just didn't cast the right people for all these characters... Just bringing them to life on screen. Now, I don't know a lot about how the characters are in the comics. I kind of fell out of comics after a little while. So, I didn't read all the Captain Americas and the Iron Mans and all of that. My knowledge of comics is very minimal. But, I've always been a fan of the old Spider-Man cartoons, the X-Men cartoons, of course, Batman the Animated Series, which is an MCU, but fuck it, I'll mention it anyway. Because it's fucking amazing and everyone should have watched it. Or watch it now. Yeah. Go watch Batman the Animated Series. Then come back to this podcast. Do it. I'll wait. That was me waiting. (laughs) So I have a love for these characters. I've seen them in iterations throughout my life. So seeing them in live action. For all these films and then Infinity War and Endgame. It was... It was great to go back and watch them again. I've watched them probably 15 times each on their own. Never sat down and watched them back to back. And uh, yeah, about six hours worth of movie there. And I'll say this. It's a six hours I enjoyed. As opposed to I probably wouldn't enjoy watching the four-hour Snyder Cut of Justice League. And I know there are people saying it's better, it's so much better, Snyder's vision was so different, it would have been, you know, something that could have saved the DC Extended Universe, blah, 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 blah. I don't care. I didn't like Man of Steel. 
Now, initially, I did enjoy it, but I think I went in not expecting much. Upon a couple of rewatches, I realized it's not a good film. I think I was just having Superman... I don't know. I really don't know why I liked it the first time. I think because it was a spectacle for me to see Superman on the big screen, which I had never done. Because the, the Christopher Reeves movies were in the theaters when I was young. Except the first one was out before I was born. But the next few were after I was born, but I was too young to understand what was going on or even go to the theater and see them. And neither of my parents are big superhero fans, really. So I missed the boat on that. I didn't see Superman Returns in the theater. So this was the first theater experience I had seeing the big blue Boy Scout on the screen. And as I said, after subsequent rewatches, there was no big blue Boy Scout in that movie. It wasn't Superman. Or at least it wasn't the Superman I grew up with. Maybe in some twisted version of this world, this is the Superman Zack Snyder grew up with, but I don't, I don't get it. So Man of Steel I don't care for. Uh, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. <sighs> now, the entire movie, I dislike. I'm entitled to dislike it. But, I did enjoy the Batman stuff. I enjoyed Affleck's portrayal of Batman. Now, I'm probably in the minority when I say that, but I would have liked to have seen a standalone Batman film with Ben Affleck in, the, in that role. Call me crazy, I think it would have been cool. And before you go, oh, well, it's such weird casting to have Ben Affleck. Same thing was said about Michael Keaton when he was cast. Michael Keaton was a guy known for more comedic roles. Tim Burton took a chance, put him under the cowl, and you know what? He's one of my favorite Batman of all time. Yeah. I said it. Michael Keaton is one of my favorite Batman of all time, as is Christian Bale. And I have, I will always have a place in my heart for Adam West because I grew up watching that television show. And I realize I am going down a rabbit hole here. Now, the reason I bring up the Snyder Cut is I was going through the internet today, going through my Facebook feed, checking my Google News feed, and I see that fans of the Snyder Cut who are wanting the Snyderverse resurrected and brought back and continued on from Zack Snyder's Justice League cut, they're review bombing Kong vs. Godzilla. Or Godzilla vs. Kong, whichever way the title goes. I'm not 100% certain. And I don't feel like looking it up. But you know what I mean. The movie coming out where a big-ass kaiju lizard is taking on King Kong. They're review bombing it because... They want Warner Brothers to hear their voice, and they want to be heard about getting the Snyderverse back on track. So they're going to boycott Warner Brothers and any other movie they put out. You know what I will say to all of you? And if any of you are listening, unsubscribe from my fucking podcast because fuck you. You're whiny little bitches. You whine because you don't get what you want. They release something you want, and then what do you do? You go, well, we like it, but now we don't want you to have what you like because we want more of what we like and fuck you if you don't like it. This. <sighs> All right. I'm ranting, but fuck it. This toxic fandom that exists, and it's not just in the realm of comic book films. It's in horror films. It's in television. It's, you know, in the broad spectrum of nerddom from action figures to card games and board games. These toxic fans, as they like to call themselves, are nothing but assholes. They will shit on you for liking something, but if you don't like what they like, they will shit on you and call you names. So they're never fucking happy about anything. Here's my advice to all you fucking little whiny bastards out there who do this shit. Get off the internet for a few days. Take a deep look inside yourself and see what the fuck went wrong in your life that you are so unhappy that you have to shit on everyone else or do stupid shit like review bomb a movie that's not even been released in the U.S. yet, mind you. No one has seen this movie. Just because you want more of something that you and a few of your friends liked. 
you and a few of your troll-ass, fucking whiny little bitch-ass friends liked. It's bullshit. You give us all, you give all of us fans a bad name, and I'm tired of being lumped in with these groups. It's bullshit, and you all need to get a fucking life. If you can expend that kind of energy to review bomb a movie that's not out, how about this? How about you just write letters to the studio saying you would like to see the Snyderverse get back on track, that you're a huge fan and you would really like them to take it into consideration? Do a campaign like that. Get on change.org and put up a petition or something. Instead of shitting on things that you haven't even seen yet because you want your way, and if you don't get it, the world hates you. And everyone else sucks because they don't get it. Fuck off. Channel your energy elsewhere. I'm fucking tired of this shit, man. Like, I know what it's like to, to be like that. I've done that in the past. Am I happy about it? No. But you know what? I've grown as a person and realized people are going to like what they like. And people are not going to like what they don't like. We're all allowed to like and dislike things. It's how nature works. It's the nature of human beings. So if you can't understand that, fuck off, fuck you, shove it up your ass, but stop being a little bitch about it, and maybe just get your little group of friends and you can all bitch to each other in a circle jerk or something. Alright. <laughs> Rant over. That was a little hot coming in there. Anyway, tonight's movie that I'm going to talk about. <laughs> I've been wanting to do this one for some time. Now, Diana's not a fan, so this is the perfect time with her being away that I can talk about it. I am talking about the 1999 film, The Blair Witch Project. This is my home, which I am leaving the comforts of for the weekend to explore the Blair Witch. I can see you. I'm real excited about this. Thank you for I'm the opportunity. I'm very glad. This area's been haunted by that old woman for oh, years. Yeah. I don't know why you have to have every conversation on video. Because we're making a documentary. Not about us getting lost. We're making a documentary about a witch. I don't. lost, admit that first. No, I know we're not lost. They're all over the place. But how do we know it was people? Well, even if it wasn't, I'm not going to play with that either. And it's all because of me that we're here now. <laughs> Hungry and cold. And hunted. Just want to apologize to Mike's mom and Josh's mom and my mom. Tell me where you are, Josh! first found footage horror movie I had ever seen, and possibly one of the first horror movies I had really seen in the theater. Now, I do have a story that goes with me seeing this in the theater, but we're going to dive into the movie here. So it's from 1999, and it's found footage. I realize I went silent there for a minute. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Oh, need another drink. Sorry, take a drink of my tea. Ah, there we go. Maybe I'll edit some of this out. Maybe I won't. So, Blair Witch Project. Released in 1999. Directed by Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez. So, the story is we have three filmmakers, Heather, Josh, and Mike that have gotten together to film this project on the Blair Witch. They're making a documentary. Heather is very much the pretentious filmmaker. She wants to be taken seriously. And you have Josh, who's the cameraman, who's just kind of like, yeah, let's go for it, man. Kind of this laid-back stoner attitude. And you have Mike, who, upon this rewatch, because I just got done watching the movie, seems to be the 
guy who's barely getting by in film school and definitely took um, this project so he could be the sound guy just to be on a project that might get him a better grade. So we meet the, we meet our three filmmaker students and they immediately go out to get supplies. They're making jokes, having fun. They get to their hotel room for the night, run their equipment checks, have a little fun, drink a little scotch, go to bed. We catch up with them the next day. They're going through town and they're talking to all these people, asking them, do you know about the Blair Witch? They're questioning these <laughs> really colorful characters. There's so many people telling the stories of a man who was abducting children and while he was killing one of them, he made the other child stand facing a corner because he couldn't take the eyes watching him. So there's these stories. There's stories of a woman covered in hair that Mary Brown saw, this really whacked out crazy woman. And there's all these stories people saying, yeah, we don't go in the woods because, you know, the stories, it's, it's real, weird shit happens, people have disappeared and never come back. So we're getting all the, the mythos behind the Blair Witch story that takes place in Burkittsville. Ah, forgot to mention, they're in Burkittsville, Maryland, filming this documentary. So they, Heather, Mike, and Josh head out to the woods, park their car, get their packs, head out hiking, they make camp for the night. The next day, they get on out to Coffin Rock, and they come across two fishermen who, I, I love these two fishermen because their back and forth is so funny. You have the one guy who was a believer. Oh, this happened. It's real. Oh, this, this shit's scary. There's really weird shit that happens in these woods. I'm not saying it's haunted, but shit's scary. And then you have our other gentleman who's very much like me, the skeptic. None of it's real. It's all bullshit and made up. <laughs> <laughs> but I love their interaction because they go back and forth arguing, but you can tell the guys are like longtime friends. So it's really funny. We get that interaction. They do some filming at Coffin Rock. They set up camp for the night. Now we progressively see them going through the woods. There's tension mounting because they're not really sure where they're going, although Heather is very adamant. She knows exactly where they're going. Mike doesn't trust her 100%, and Josh just wants to keep on fucking moving. So I, I get where Josh is coming from. I'm more with him. Like, let's just get to what we need to get to. Let's keep going and just get this shit done. We have deadlines to get this shit back. I have to get to work. Let's just shut the fuck up and keep moving. So we go through. They're filming. They're talking about stuff. They're setting up camp. They start hearing weird noises in the night. Not quite sure what it is. It's like people walking around, twigs snapping, crunching noises. Off-putting. They're freaked out. During the day, they come across a cemetery. Well, a makeshift cemetery with these branch nets tied up in the tree with rocks in them. And then piles of rocks, like, marked out as sort of makeshift headstones. So they're not satisfied filming during the day. No, Heather has to go back at night. And because they're in the darkness and they can't really see, Josh ends up knocking over one of these piles of rocks on the ground. Freaks Heather out. She puts it back. They go back to their tent. Increasingly during the day, they're seeing, we're seeing their mental breakdowns. Mike is losing his shit. Josh is getting angry. Heather is still adamant she knows where they're going. At one point, they cannot find their map. Heather <laughs> loses her shit thinking they're hiding the map on her. They argue for some time saying, we don't have it. Why would we take it? I have no reason to take it. Josh is telling her, why would I go in your pants to take your map? That's stupid. You had it last. Heather's going, yeah, I know I had it, but if you would just tell me you had it. So they kind of calm down a bit. And then we hear Mike just start laughing. 
as they're talking more about the map, Heather's like, look, if you really have it, just let me know. I'd feel more secure if you told me. Mike loses his shit laughing and just says he kicked the map into the fucking creek the day before. They didn't need it. It was useless. And this is where things start to unravel a little bit more. They're angry at each other. They're yelling, cussing each other out. Eventually, things kind of calm down. and They're like, okay, let's just keep moving. We, we keep heading one direction. We'll eventually get to where we need to go. Next night, they hear more shit. In the night, they go out trying to see if they can communicate. Weird shit is happening. They come across, in the daytime, these dolls hanging from the tree. These sticks tied together in these doll shapes. And you'll see it on the poster. It's the symbol, the like stick figure kind of thing. Some of them covered in like moss to resemble hair, so very much resembling the person we heard Mary Brown reference in the beginning of the film when they were doing their interviews with people in the town. They freak out about that, rightfully so. We get a night where they hear children laughing, their tent shakes, they run out, they stay out of the tent that night. They don't go back until daylight. They go back to their campsite. Josh's shit is strewn all over and covered in this blue slime. He freaks the fuck out. Everyone is losing their shit. They get all their stuff together. They pack up. They start heading out again. And it's just from there we see more and more they're going down this road of insanity. Josh can't decipher why his shit was covered in slime, why his stuff was gone through. Mike now is trying to calm Heather and Josh down as they are both arguing at this point. And it's just increasingly tense. We get a point where <laughs> they're freaking out. Josh is, is getting in Heather's face. And Mike's trying to calm him down. And it's really... Now, some in the times we're currently in, some people may take this as he was being misogynistic and putting her down because she was a woman. He wasn't. He was putting her down because she didn't want to stop making the documentary. As a pretentious, self-involved film student who thought highly of herself, she couldn't stop making this film, even though they're seemingly fucked. So at one point we see Josh has the video camera because they've had their film camera and they've had a video camera sort of documenting both. They're making the movie, they're filming some behind-the-scenes stuff. Josh has the camera and <laughs> he's looking at Heather and he says, I know why you like this video camera so much. Because it's, it's a filtered reality. You don't have to see the real world. Because you can pretend everything is not quite the way it is. And it really says something there, because she's the only one still looking through that viewfinder, trying to, to see the documentary, to record everything, because if she's still recording it, none of this is really happening. It gives her a sense of, it's none of it is real if I'm looking through this viewfinder. And it's, it's really kind of a powerful thing when I watch it this time. I'm like, oh, Josh has touched on something there with her. And she breaks down, and he... one point, Josh is getting in her face, saying, you're lost in the woods, I'm never going to find you. And he's just telling her all this stuff. We're hungry, we're cold. What? That's your motivation. That's your motivation. It's really... It's really a scene where you see just how far mentally they have broken down. She is crying. He's berating her. Mike is trying to grasp onto the little bit of sanity he has left and calm everything down. And it's... It creates tension. It increases the tension. It shows you how much of their sanity is lost. Mixed in with the fact that they believe they've been heading south this entire time. And at one point during the day, they come across the same log, which they had crossed several days before. And they're... They're losing it. Now, we get to one of our final nights. They've set up camp. 
They really didn't want to, but they did it anyway. And they're in the tent. Heather is sewing up a pair of Mike's pants. And they start talking about, Mike goes, oh, I've got a cheeseburger. Who wants a cheeseburger? I have one in my back pocket. And they're talking about the stuff they miss, like mashed potatoes, how they're going to be home soon to have them again. And it cuts to the next day. Camera's off. We go to the next day. Josh is gone. They cannot find him. His stuff is still there. But he, the person, is gone. So they, Mike and Heather, pack up their equipment, figure out how they're going to carry it all without Josh there, and they start heading out to try and find him. They're not sure if he's fucking with them at this point, if he just ran off because he's completely lost it and is trying to find his way out. Not sure. Mike and Heather set up camp alone the following night, and they start hearing these agonized yells, these, this screaming and pain like someone's being tortured, and they know it's Josh screaming. Or at least, whatever this entity is out there is making them believe it's Josh screaming out in pain. So they're trying to find him. They're listening, trying to figure out if they can tell where it's coming from. We cut to the next day. And shit is going crazy. They end up finding a bundle of twigs tied up with some pieces of Josh's flannel that he was wearing. Well, they immediately toss it aside. They're freaked out. They're like, we need to get out of here. We need to go. We need to find Josh. We need to go home. They're on the brink, I think, of mentally collapsing completely. Well, Heather goes back to this bundle that she kicked away, ends up opening it up, and we see that it's teeth. Teeth and blood. She starts panicking, has like a panic attack, has to wash her hands. And you can see right here where more of her faculties are breaking down mentally. Her mental fac faculties are slipping. She's washing her hands, letting Mike know, oh, just washing my hands off. And she tells herself, okay, now I put my gloves back on. I put my gloves back on. She doesn't want to... Be reminded of what she saw. And if there's still blood on her hands, that means it's real. That's the way I took it anyway. So we get these two are trying to keep whatever last threads of sanity they have. We see them. The video camera is still on. Heather is propped it up like in a tree. They're smoking cigarettes because Mike found some more cigarettes at the bottom of his pack. And they're, they're just trying to head east and make it out. They set up camp on the final night. And this is where... <laughs> this, this, is the, this is getting to the end of the film. And I know I've, I've touched on things vaguely here. Because I think the movie... I'm going to say this now. I think for those who haven't seen this, it's definitely something you should sit down and see. I'll get to my feelings on it at the end, but let's get to the climax here. So, Heather and Mike are awakened again by these agonizing screams. Someone yelling, help me please. It's Josh. Or so they think. They run out. They end up coming across this ramshackled cabin, house, shanty cabin, whatever it is, it is run down, it is dilapidated, it's almost falling over. <laughs> you know, a couple of good knocks with a sledgehammer could take this thing down. Mike goes inside, Heather follows him, now Mike has the video camera, so he's recording in color film with sound, Heather is off in the distance recording on the black and white. So her sound is further out. They didn't bring the sound equipment, because why would you carry all that shit if you're just trying to find your friend, right? So they're now going up. They go upstairs in this house, trying to find Josh, because they hear him upstairs. And if you watch, as they're going upstairs 
from Mike's point of view with the video camera and then Heather's point of view with the film camera, there are these symbols on the walls and on the door frames. There are all these children's handprints all over the walls. It's really kind of eerie when you think about it. So as they go, you see more of these symbols showing up. They get upstairs, nothing there. Just more creepy little handprints on the walls, more of these symbols. So Mike is now adamant. He hears Josh downstairs. He's in the basement. I hear him downstairs. I hear him downstairs. He runs off. He's down the stairs like a bolt of lightning. Heather's trying to catch up to him, but she's got the heavy film camera, so she's a little slower. Now it's cut together, so we see Mike's point of view with the video camera. He comes downstairs into the basement, goes around a corner. We hear a thud. We see the camera hit the ground, and all we see is dirt. We don't know what happened. We hear Heather in the background, her voice being picked up very faintly for Mike, because, you know, that's the only sound recording they have is on this video camera. So we cut back to her, the way it's cut together. Her point of view, she's coming downstairs. She's, like, hyperventilating at this point, trying to say Mike's name. Mike, where are you, Mike? She turns the corner, and all we see from her point of view on this film is Mike standing facing the corner. We hear a thud, camera hits the ground, everything's kind of shaky, and that's where we end. Now, <laughs> I, I have a spot in my heart for this movie. Is it the greatest movie ever made? No. Do I enjoy it? Immensely. Immensely. And I'll get to why in a bit. But I, I just like this movie. And I know that it's very divisive now. I think maybe more people have come around to liking it. But I know that there are so many people who are like, it's a shitty movie, it's horribly made, it's bullshit, the acting sucks. I'm, I'm willing to get lost in the story. I'm willing to take myself to that place of 1994 when the film is set and get lost in that story. I know people personally who tell me they hate the movie. As a matter of fact, Leanne doesn't like this film, which is why I'm recording this solo without her. She watched it with me, and I think she had maybe seen it before and just said, I don't like it. It's like, I don't like it. I don't like the people. I don't like the characters. I don't like the story fine. She's more than entitled to have that opinion. I, on the other hand, really enjoy the film. I think it's fun. I think there's tension. I love the the messing with people's minds aspect of it, seeing their mental faculties sort of break and how the insanity comes up. I love the disorientation that they go through. They think they're heading south. They're going right back to where they were. So whatever this entity is, hang on, taking a drink. Oh, gotta love iced tea, right? I would have gone with water, but I had some iced tea, so I'm drinking that. Where was I? I forgot. I enjoy this film. I like the acting. I like the story. I like seeing these people break down and what happens. It's just, for me, it's it's a good watch. I put it on every once in a while. It's in my Halloween rotation. I enjoy it. So I'd say if you're someone who likes found footage films or you like seeing people go through amped up amounts of tension and distrust, the twinges of insanity seeping into their brains and just shit getting kind of weird. It's definitely a movie for you. I'd say check it out. So, I have a little bit of a story from when this movie was released in 99. Now, I was working at the local amusement park here in Southern California, Knott's Berry Farm. Some of you may know it. I'm gonna call it out by name because I don't care. So anyway, I was working there and several of us had decided that we were going to go out see the Blair Witch. It wasn't opening weekend. I think it was the second weekend. 
No, actually it was. It was opening opening weekend. So it was a Saturday night. And we all decided to go. So we get to the theater. We sit down. We're watching the movie. And we were <laughs> having a good time being scared. It's just that theater energy, you know, that we've missed in all of 2020. And probably going to miss most of 2021 because, you know, most of us are probably not going to go back to the theaters anytime soon. But back to the subject at hand. So we were thriving off that theater energy. We were scared. We were laughing at the funny moments. We were silent at those tense moments. It was it was a fun experience. Now, <laughs> we cut to when we're leaving. We had caught a late show of that movie, so it started at midnight. And it ended around 2 o'clock. Because remember, even in 99, there were still several trailers before you got to the movie. So about 2 a.m., myself and two of my female co-workers were heading home. I didn't have a car at the time, so I was getting a ride back to my house. We get in the car, and we're talking about, oh man, that was that was pretty scary. That was a lot of fun. Sitting in the parking lot, there's maybe three other cars around, far enough away where nobody's doing anything, and we just hear this thump, 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 like, near the car, my friend who was driving, she was like, what the fuck was that? I, go, uh, I don't know, but you should probably start the car. My other friend's going, let's get out of here, because that movie freaked me out, and I don't want to be here if something happens. We heard it one more time. My friend started the car. I had never heard somebody pull out of a parking space so quick in my life. We, <laughs> we headed out of there. We kept listening for sounds all the way to my place because I lived the closest. And then they wouldn't leave until I got inside the house and closed and locked my door for them to see. And then texted one of them with my old Motorola StarTac flip phone that everything was cool. So, yeah, we were we were a little freaked out by this movie. Uh, it was... It was 1999. I had just graduated high school the year before. I was maybe 19 or 20, just discovering that I was this horror movie kid from way back. Because until this point, I never really thought about the fact that I had seen the majority of the Friday the 13th films as a kid, most of the Nightmare on Elm Streets as a kid, watched Elvira's movie Macabre on the weekends. You know, that I was a fan of the monsters and the Addams Family. I stayed up late at night on the weekends watching Freddy's Nightmares when it was on TV. I didn't really put it all together until a few years later, you know, about when podcasts came around, you know, <laughs> seven or eight years later. So, right, right around this time, I was still discovering. So I was still able to be scared at things like this. I hadn't picked up on all the tropes yet. Or at least I didn't realize I knew what those tropes were at the time. Because I had watched all those types of movies. I had seen, you know, I also saw Child's Play. I saw the original Halloween, Alien. I had seen all these films, like on TV or in passing. Things like Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which I know some of you will say, well, that's more comedy. It's horror comedy. Horror comedy. It counts. But yeah, it was just fun to be scared and a little freaked out. I say, if you're someone who hasn't seen this movie, you really don't know much about it aside from what you read, go check it out. The other thing I liked was the marketing campaign at the time for this movie. So in 1999, we didn't have a whole lot of internet resources. So there wasn't a whole lot of things to go looking up, but what we could find was the missing posters for these three college film students. They released documentaries on sci-fi talking about, you know, the investigations is trying to find them and what they found, how they've reconstructed the footage from the found cameras, all this stuff that I'll say at the time I bought into, I was like, oh man, this is really kind of crazy. Of course, a couple, you know, about a year or so after the film's release, I realized, oh, it was all marketing. 
because I ended up seeing that actress Heather Donahue in an episode of The Outer Limits. And I was like, oh, she's really an actress. Okay, it was all marketing. But at the time, nothing like that had been done, so it was really genius the way they did it. They really built up this hype for the movie and this story behind it and created this whole mythology. And it was really brilliant. It was really brilliant. And just some of the trivia that I've seen here on IMDb, because, you know, why not look there? Apparently, Heather Donahue's mother received sympathy cards from people who believed that her daughter was actually dead or missing. Oh, excuse me. We'll either edit that out or keep it in. Who knows? I'm a man of mystery. It only took eight days to shoot the film. Uh, the directors kept in touch with actors Heather Donahue, Michael Williams, and Joshua Leonard via walkie-talkies to ensure the three would not become lost during their trek. And reportedly, <laughs> they ended up getting lost at least three times anyway. One of the video cameras that was used in the film was bought at a Circuit City. That's an old sentence. How many of you out there remember Circuit City, huh? Welcome to Circuit City, where services stand in the yard. A uh, quick side note about Circuit City, that was where my parents got their first HD TV, which was a Mitsubishi DLP television, and because we bought that, we ended up getting a free PS3, the higher-end PS3, because I fought tooth and nail, because they weren't going to give us the one they had in stock, because, oh, we're out of the ones that come with it, I said, so why don't you just give us the higher-end version that you have, and we'll call it a day. If you want them to buy the TV, throw that in. I guarantee you they'll walk out of here with that TV today. And they did. So, yeah. I I flexed a little muscle at Circuit City. Got myself a higher-end PS3 at the time. Which I think was the 80-gig model. So, tells you how long ago that was. <laughs> so, they took it back to Circuit City after filming was completed. And they... Got a full refund on the camera, making their budget money go even further. It's a hell of a way to stretch your budget. It really is. I, I gotta give them credit for that. The three leads believe that the Blair Witch was a real legend during filming. Of course, they knew the film was going to be fake. And only after the film's release did they discover that the entire mythology was made up by the film's creators. That I like. Because the people they cast to be the townsfolk giving the story... Seemed like they were just people they ran into, or like, hey, do you mind if we film you for a documentary? That's that's cool. Uh, they promoted discord between all the actors <laughs> by deliberately giving them less food each day of shooting. That is fucked up, but you're shooting in eight days. There's not really any danger in doing that. Oh man. Oh, this is interesting. The Blair Witch was supposed to be seen in the movie. As the characters were running out of their tent, Heather yells, Oh my god, what the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? The cameraman was supposed to pan to the left, where the audience would briefly see a woman wearing a white gown in the distance, but the cameraman forgot to pan to the left, and the scene was not reshot. Now, I am a firm believer of less is more. And I think because we didn't see anything, it's way more effective. Because who knows if maybe the shot would have come out hokey. Like, oh, there's this chicken and nightgown running around in the woods. Oh, it's not really scary. I like that they didn't reshoot it to get that shot. That they just went, let's just, let's roll forward. Let's just go. It keeps it interesting. Because you don't know what it is. You don't know what form it has. Is it just a force out in the woods, a malevolent force that exists? Is it some actual witch that has a human form? You don't know, and I like that. Apparently the actors were requested to interview the townspeople, who often, unbeknownst to the actors, were planted by the directors. As a result, the expressions on the actors' faces were unrehearsed. It's actually really, really cool that they didn't really know the people they'd be interviewing were also actors. They're just like, oh hey, go here today to interview this person. Oh man, taking another drink. Ah, I always forget that podcasting solo gives you dry mouth like a motherfucker.
<laughs> uh, apparently, there were numerous fans that were convinced that the Blair's Witch existence that they flocked to Maryland in hopes of discovering the legend. <laughs> apparently, they didn't read the end credits of the film where it says it's entirely made up. The sign for Burkittsville at the beginning of the movie has been stolen three times, and it was stolen on the opening night of the movie. <laughs> the directors and their assistants made the cracking sounds of the woods by walking up to the camp's perimeter, where the actors were, and breaking sticks, then tossing them in various directions. See, this is the kind of stuff I like, this creative filmmaking. Okay, we've got $60,000 budget. What do we do? Let's break some sticks. It's really, really fun that they just found out things like this. So to maintain the film's fear factor, <laughs> apparently the three main actors agreed to stay in character for the entire eight days of filming. So sometimes if an actor had to break from character, then the remaining two actors also had to break from character, but only after collectively reciting their safety word, taco. <laughs> Alright, that's, that's funny. That's funny. And I think the last thing I'm going to touch on here is that the sounds of the children heard at night were taken from kids playing around the house of director Eduardo Sanchez's mother. The tape was laid, played over boomboxes in the forest. And according to Michael C. Williams, he found it the scariest scene to shoot in the film. That is pretty intense. Because I know if I just heard random children laughing... <laughs> I I would I would freak out. I I would I would shit in my pants. So there's a couple of scenes in the movie that are that are kind of light that I want to touch on real quick that I particularly enjoy. There's a conversation among Mike, Josh, and Heather about Gilligan's Island. Comes up randomly because Josh is singing the theme song to Gilligan's Island. Josh and Heather are going back and forth talking about the captain this, the captain that. Oh, Josh, you're kind of like the captain, and Mike's your Gilligan. And Mike chimes in, <laughs> ever the television nerd, and corrects them to say, it's not the captain, you illiterate TV people. It's the skipper. Get it right. I just like that because he's like, okay, I'm tired of listening to you to butcher this TV show that I love. It's the skipper, goddammit. Oh, I'm trying to think what the other scene was that I really enjoyed. Oh, man. It's right there, too, on the tip of my tongue. It really is. It really is. There were two fairly light scenes that I really enjoyed, and now I can't think of the other one. Oh, well. That's how podcasting goes, right? Bottom line is, Blair Witch Project from 1999, I give it a recommend. I really enjoy it. I enjoyed it in 99 when I saw it in the theater. I still enjoy it in 2021. I think because it was that experience in the theater that it has a nostalgia factor for me. But I still appreciate the way the film was made, how they got the reactions out of the actors, what they did to create the effects at night, what they did to amp up the tension, and I think the acting is fine. I think it's very much along the lines of how three people would really act if they got lost in the woods, disoriented, and slowly going insane. So I'm going to say it is a recommend from the Skewered Universe. I have been talking for about 47 minutes. Wow. I did not think I had that long to talk, but I did kind of go off on a rant in the beginning. So, you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter. All the social media will be coming up at the end of the show. You'll be able to hear it at our little outro. We're available on Podbean. You can find us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Go and subscribe to us there. I've heard so many people talk about how Apple's released a study that you shouldn't say subscribe because it implies paying. And people don't want to pay for podcasts. They think they're getting roped into a membership. Podcasts are free. If you ever see a price tag on a podcast, skip it. It ain't worth your money. Just skip it. Now some podcasts have Patreon programs, and that's where you can choose to donate to the show. Perfectly fine. 
But if you want to find a podcast and you're looking through and scrolling and instead of subscribe, it says $1.99 per episode, tell them the fuck off. Anyway, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Podbean, as I said. We're on Stitcher as well, as I mentioned. Uh, Google, you can still find us there. Hell, you can even go to YouTube, search Skewered Universe. You can find the audio versions there. If you like listening to your podcasts on YouTube, there's no video, but the audio is there for you to enjoy. All the socials will be available. Links in the description. Follow us, find us, contact us at skewerduniversepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of this movie. Send us your recommendations for movies. We're open to suggestions all the time. And I think there's some big things coming this year for Skyward Universe. As you can already tell, we're on a more consistent schedule. I'm trying to really make this a little more permanent to get these things out to you guys quicker. As I know the quicker I can get them out, the quicker you guys can listen to them, the more harmonious the universe will be with more Skyward Universe for everyone to listen to. Harmony through podcasting. World peace through podcasting. Or at least I'll help you get through your fucking stressful day, right? <laughs> Alright. You guys have been great. Thank you for listening to all of the episodes. We really appreciate it. Send us your feedback. Let us know what you think of the show. Movie suggestions. TV suggestions. Hell, recommend some video games for us to play. We'll even talk about those. Recommend some wrestling for me. Send us your suggestions. We'll take them into consideration. I really seriously, if we get those recommendations, I would take them seriously and take them to heart because I want to know what you guys want to hear. It's not just about us here. It's about you guys too. We're, we're a community, right? That being said, you all stay safe. Uh, let's get those vaccines so we can get back to some sort of normalcy and keep enjoying that universe that's just a bit... Well, what is it? Oh yeah, skewered. Check out Skewered Universe Podcast at the following links. Skeweredhead.com Facebook.com slash groups slash Skewered Universe Podcast skeweruniverse.podbean.com Twitter at skeweru Instagram skewered underscore universe Email the show at skeweruniversepodcast at gmail.com